This segment of the Cliff Notes Podcast is sponsored by the Maryville Forum Sports Section. The Maryville Forum provides coverage of the Maryville, Platte Valley, Nottoway Valley, Worth County, and Northwest Missouri State football teams each week in print and digital. The Forum is proud to cover all sports for Maryville, Platte Valley, North Nottoway, Northeast Nottoway, Nottoway Valley High Schools, and Northwest Missouri State University. A year-long subscription to the Forum is only $35. Go to MaryvilleForum.com to get yours today. Coming up on the Cliff Notes Podcast Week 7 pregame show, we break down the schedule in the eight-man world and talk with eight-man extraordinaires, Devin Albertson and Anthony Crane. Plus, we run down the schedule in the state of Kansas. All that and so much more on the Cliff Notes Podcast Week 7 pregame show. And welcome everybody here to the Cliff Notes Podcast Week 7 pregame show. This is our third and final segment on the show this week. I am your host, Clifton Grooms. We're going to be previewing eight-man football in the state of Kansas on this segment. Let's not waste any more time. Let's run down the scores from Week 6 of the regular season. Bishop LeBlanc was able to get a victory over Kansas City East Christian 44-27. St. Joe Christian follows to Knox County 72-20. Number one, Stanberry, all over North Andrew, 55-12. Number two, Worth County, all over Ork, 56-8. King City shuts down Rockport, 74-0. East Atchison over Mound City, 58-6. South Holt over Stewartsville, Osborne, 72-20. Platte Valley over Southwest Livingston, 62-8. And the Nottoway Valley, 58-cap, 6 Albany over Schuyler County, 82-22. And in a high-scoring game, Pattonsburg over Rich Hill, 56-44. Jackson Heights over Troy, 38-15. Republic County, a slim victory over Riverside, 16-6. Atchison all over Turner, 45-12. Mar Hill loses to ACCHS, 42-29. Hiawatha shuts down Jefferson West, 45-0. Sabetha loses to Rock Creek, 34-20. Central Heights over Horton, 33-20. And then Donovan West over Maranatha Academy, 62-14. to 14. Those are scores from Week 6 in Missouri, Week 5 in Kansas. Um, we will be back after a short commercial break. We will preview Week 7 of the season coming up on the Clip Notes Podcast, Week 7 pregame show. And welcome, everybody, back to the Clip Notes Podcast, Week 7 pregame show. This is our third and final segment. We're going to go ahead. We're going to run down the schedule in the eight-man world. The first game that we're going to talk about is the Bishop of Blonde Golden Eagles on the road. To take on Nottoway Valley, the Golden Eagles enter in this game 5-1 on the regular season, while Nottoway Valley enters at 2-4. We had an opportunity to talk with the head coach of the Bishop LeBlanc Golden Eagles this week. That would be Chuck Davis. We talked about last week's game against Kansas City East Christian and a look ahead to this matchup with Nottoway Valley. And we're here on the Cliff Dust Podcast. We're continuing on with our eight-man portion of the Week 7 pregame show. I cannot believe we're in week seven already. Um, we are here with the head coach of the Bishop LeBlanc Golden Eagles once again. That would be Chuck Davis. Chuck, welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you on. Always a pleasure to cover Golden Eagle football. And, um, Coach, um, moved the record to 5-1 and one on the season. Um, picked up a win at home last week against Kansas City East Christian. 44-27 to was the final. Um, coach, just walk us through the game. 
Well, I mean, you know, they were four and one, so that was a good team. They uh, came out really fast and physical. I think their game plan was just to wreak havoc in our backfield. And, um, you know, we definitely had a lot of adjustments to make at halftime. But they uh, they had an impressive game. They executed their game plan and and gave us everything we wanted. So, uh, I mean, the game felt a little closer than the score showed. But uh, we were just glad to get out of there with the win. And absolutely, sometimes uh, sometimes it's good to be tested a little bit on the schedule there. Um, you know, competition's coming up, it's getting tough. So, um, Coach, um, this, week, this week, this Friday, um, a trip to take on Nottoway Valley, the brand-new um, co-op, the Nottoway Valley Thunder. So, um, Coach, just um, your thoughts on them, and what can we expect on Friday? Well, they definitely – punched in the mouth in our jamboree. So uh, I think our kids are focused this week in, in preparing as much as we can and getting better every day. Uh, I think what we can expect is uh, a fast-paced, athletic-style football game. Uh, hopefully we show up to play a little more prepared than we were for the jamboree. Uh, absolutely, that's going to be a that's going to be a fun one on Friday night. Uh, that is Chuck Davis, the head coach of the Bishop LeBlanc Golden Eagles. Coach, thank you so much for coming on the podcast once again, and good luck to you guys the rest of the week of practice, and good luck to you guys on the road in Nollaway Valley. Hey, thank you for having me. <clears throat> thank you so much, Coach Chuck Davis of the Bishop LeBlanc Golden Eagles. Next game on our schedule is going to be Saint Joe Christian on the road at Saint Mary's Academy. And the state of Kansas, we had an opportunity to talk with the head lot with the head coach of the St. Joseph Christian Lions, Troy Shank. We talked about last week's game against not Knox County, and a look ahead to this week's matchup with St. Ch- with St. Mary's Academy. And we're here on the Clip Notes podcast. We're continuing on with the Week Seven Eight Man pregame show. We are here with the head coach of the St. Joseph Christian Lions. That would be Troy Shank. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great, Clifton. Thanks for having me back. We're, uh, you know, in the middle of prepping for St. Mary's Kansas Academy in Kansas. And, uh, yeah, just uh, having a good week so far. That's great to hear. That's great to hear, Coach. Uh, before we talk about that game with St. Mary's Academy, let's go back to last week. Um, unfortunately, another another tough night on the field for you guys. Um, a trip to Knox County ends with a 72-20 to defeat. Um, Coach just uh, walks through the game. Yeah, no, Knox County, um, I think this is the first year eight-man they dropped down from 11-man. Um, they got good players, and so that was their homecoming. They had a good night. Um, they came ready to play. Our guys um, came out a little bit slow, and, um, yeah, they they were able to take it to us early, and we just would ne- never could catch up. Well, Coach, uh, you know, they always say, you know, I've got a, got a chance to um, – get better time to go one it's got a chance to go one and oh for the week um coach um, you mentioned it at the beginning of the broadcast um a road trip to st mary's academy in kansas um coach um what uh what's the scouting report as far as them and um, what can we expect on friday yeah they uh they're a good football team and so uh, play them um you know, last three years, it's going to be three years in a row now. And 
Uh, they stepped up to 11 man in the last two years, and they're, they're a good football team. They're well coached. Um, they're really creative on offense. Uh, they're great tacklers on defense, and so it's going to be a really good challenge for our guys, and, um, you know, we're preparing hard to be ready for that challenge. Well, Coach, I wish you guys uh, good luck this week and the rest of the week in practice, and I wish you guys uh, good luck against St. Mary's Academy, and uh, pleasure to have you back on this week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Clifford. Have a good week. Thank you so much, Troy Shank, Coach Troy Shank of the St. Joseph Christian Lions, for joining us. Other games on the schedule in eight-man football include North Shelby on the road at Stanbury, Worth County is at Pattonsburg, Albany is at North Andrew, Schuyler County is at King City, South Hold is at Mound City, DeKalb at Platte Valley, and Southwest Livingston on the road at Rockport. To break down some of these games and more, we had the opportunity to talk with Devin Albertson and Anthony Crane, two eight-man football extraordinaires, as we break down all the top matchups in eight-man football and talk about the move, a change in the schedule for the Missouri eight-man football state championship. Let's go to our conversation with Devin and Anthony right now. And we're here on the Clip Notes podcast. We are here on the eight-man portion of the week seven pregame show. I cannot believe we're in week seven already. And I couldn't have an eight-man podcast without having the two experts of eight-man football with me. One of them is Devin Albertson. The other one is Anthony Crane. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a good time. Oh, absolutely. It's always fun having you guys on. Hi, Anthony. How are we doing, Cliff? Doing really good. Doing really good. We're on, we're getting to the we're getting to the tail end of the season. We got some big games coming up here. But um before we discuss this, um like nice little hot little um news item came out this week. Um Misha has moved the eight-man state championship game to Thursday. Um, I think it's December the third or second. Second. The second. December second, moving them away from the Friday and Saturday schedule with a from eleven man. So, um, gentlemen, just um, your thoughts on this move from Misha? Anthony can go first on this one. Well, I actually didn't see it. So, is it still in Columbia? Yep. So. What had happened was apparently no one told Mizzou that they needed games for six games instead of just five. So they have an event Saturday night, so they couldn't put three and three. They had to move one of the games to Thursday. And with the modifications to the eight-man field, they thought it was just easier to put the eight-man game on Thursday, leave three games on Friday, then two on Saturday. So that's the current format, uh, even though Misha has almost two years to prep for this because they knew eight-man was expanding. So I'll let anything go from here. I have more thoughts in a little bit, though. I uh... You know what? I don't mind the move, and not that I'm giving credit to Misha because, well, that's not something I would ever really do. But you know, I, I don't think it really makes a huge difference. Um, you know, but it's Missouri, so pushing anything back that's an outdoor event could, you know, raises the opportunity for bad weather. But I don't know. I I think Misha, if they really wanted to fix it, they would move eight-man to a smaller college. Um, as nice as Chillicothe is and their facilities, um, it's still not the same playing in high school. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before that I think maybe, you know, something like a William Jewell or Central Missouri or, you know, a college like that that's somewhere sort of in between the north and the south. Um, I think it'd be great for them to do something like that eventually. Um, 
but yeah, for the most part, I don't, I don't mind the move. Uh, but you know, we'll see what happens, how it goes, and then I can complain some more if I don't like it. Uh, for me personally, I think it just it says the quiet part out loud where Michigan doesn't care about the small schools kind of deal, and that's kind of been the case for a while. But I think it just kind of screams out loud that they didn't prepare enough to let Michigan know they needed uh, three and three that weekend instead of two and three or three and two, whatever it ended up being. So I think it just kind of looks bad on Mish's part because their lack of communication with Mizzou uh, to get the facilities right and reserved correctly over a year in advance. They knew this was happening. I mean, there was more than 32 teams last year in eight-man. They actually had it the same weekend because some teams dropped out of the playoffs due to COVID and uh, just kind of opted out of the playoffs. They were going to keep it regular last year. But they've had over a year to get this figured out, and they still – they don't catch it until week seven of the season. I think it makes it even worse because you don't catch it until this late in the season. I think it just looks bad on Mish's part. And I know – all the eight-man coaches have kind of pushed to have everything at the same location on the same weekend to kind of get the game a little more exposure, and then Mission does something like this. I think it kind of just undercuts all the kind of the progress. And as much as the environment's better at a D2 kind of venue or kind of a little bit smaller and stuff like that, I still think there's something special about playing at Mizzou for the kids a little bit there as well. Um, so I really don't care much about the venue as much. It's just the optics of it look really bad for Misha, and I think it's just it's just kind of par for the course in some things they do uh, with this. So. It's kind of just frustrating for me personally to see that and um, around the state, right, man. Some of the even the smaller, I know they don't care about class one or class two, really, for most parts either. And it just kind of shows, and the eight man's kind of the easiest one to bottom of the totem pole to kind of move. And I know, I know it's it makes sense to move it to Thursday because of the modifications uh, to the field and stuff, but it just looks like a bad look for Misha. Well, and Misha's full of bad looks. I mean, if there's anything to be upset about this year, um, it's the way they did districts. Um, because because it was intentional, um, you know. My understanding from coaches is that they did that um, so that you know we didn't see a Stanbury, Worth County, those two teams playing for a state title. Um, and it's just it's kind of gross. I mean, I I get it. I mean, I think you know most people want to see success from other schools. Um, but the way you're doing it, it's, it's just not right. I mean, you're going to have – And you can't use the, uh, oh, we want to keep the same travel and keep it closed and then have District 2 be where it's still a ginormous gap for traveling. I get it's hard to put Stanley Worth County in two different districts because they are so close to each other. But they could have got this right in so many different ways. And they've about every step of the way, they've made it harder and harder themselves to get it right. You can't say you're worried about travel and then have huge travel in the first two rounds anyways. Kind of deal. You're kind of talking out both sides of your mouth and – I think there's no perfect system, but what they're doing right now is just not smart. So we'll see what happens going forward with it. Um, maybe they'll start consulting people who actually know what worked a little bit better going forward. I doubt it. Um, but I keep it. I keep it a hopeful eye out for it. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, just kind of frustrating from kind of top to bottom of how they've handled this whole season uh, with that going forward. And uh, we'll talk more about districts here in the next couple of weeks because that's when districts begin. So we can actually start getting the matchup, see who, who gets who has to travel where and all that good stuff. Then we can really get the debate started. So um, week six is in the books, gentlemen. A um, lot of, um, lot of moving, um, not really too many moving parts there. Um, just um, gentlemen, your thoughts overall, any highlights for you guys as far as week six? Uh, Worth County is really good. Um, <laughs> I Listen, I thought they would beat Drexel. Or but they, but they just beat the hell or yeah sorry Oric, uh but they just beat the hell out of them and it it had or questioning how good they were 
and where they were as a team. Um, and listen, they, they, they didn't play well. Missed a lot of tackles. Uh, really just really bad tackling. Um, you know, turning the ball over. And on the other side of the field, you know, it's like we talked about last week. Aiden Gladstone just throws the ball where he wants to throw it. Um, and that, you know, even their defense was impressive to me. Um, you know, I had someone say a couple weeks ago to talk about their defense, and I was like, you know, it's, it's decent. Um, but, man, it just keeps getting better. Um, and so that, that's scary for everyone else. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it would be a closer game. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, as Zevin and I have talked about, you know, after or maybe it was Friday night that there's a huge gap with the top, three, four teams. We'll see this week um, with North Shelby where they're at. We'll talk about that later. Um, but basically from four, you know, four to one, there's a huge gap with everyone else. Um, and it seems to be growing because, um, you know, I don't know if Devin will talk about this or not, but, you know, even North Andrew and Stanbury last week, I thought that would be a bit closer. Um, and Stanbury just took it to them. So yep. those are yeah. kind of things that it took away from. Yeah, I'll piggyback off that. I think Stanberry and Drexel kind of established themselves in the top four or five in the state as well with their wins over North Andrew and Archie, two teams who we both thought were pretty solid, and they had pretty much no issues with them. With their EA beating up on Mountain City, that was kind of expected. I know Mountain City got that closer than I kind of expected for about a half, but EA kind of – EA's defense is too good. One of those 20 nothing at halftime, the game was over. It just went and got to 45 points at that point kind of deal. And when EA could score enough points to end that one. North Shelby got a big win. They kind of coasted there, getting ready King City – Huge win over Rockport. I mean, those are the top six teams, I think. And Anthony said four. I still think King City, they gave Worth County and Stanbury some games. They were, they've were they lost two games by combined 12 points. I think they're right. I don't know if they're quite with the top four, but they're right in that next little tier. There's a gap between King City and everyone else, but it's it's wider than what King City is to Stanbury or Worth County. So I think King City is still in that top six and kind of can be grouped above. We'll see with North Shelby this week, if they can still stay in that top six or not. And then Drexel, Sandbury, EA, Worth County, with three of those teams we talked about earlier, are in the same district. So three of the best teams in the state going to meet uh, before the state semifinals. Really tough to see there in that district. But and then everyone else, I think Oric and Archie and St. Paul Lutheran, Oric, those teams, St. Uh, Bishop of Blonde, Southwold, those are all solid teams, but they don't have much of a chance to beat the teams above them at this point based on what we've seen so far. So we saw Lutheran have a close game with Oric. We saw what happened to Oric play Worth County. I think Lutheran's still a pretty solid team. We'll see what they do week nine when they play Drexel. Maybe they've gotten better as the year goes on. They can maybe close that gap. I don't know if I see it at this point, but they have a chance to maybe prove that going forward. So, But those top six have really separated themselves from everybody else, in my opinion. The top four really have really separated themselves. Um, I know this is Clifton's podcast, and he has questions, but I will <laughs> – I have one for you, though, since we're talking about it. Um, because you've seen Drexel this year, though, um, and what you're saying, how confident are you, though, that they are at that top tier? Because, um, you know, like we saw last year against Southwest Livingston, they're well-coached, really talented, but they just didn't have the depth to hang with yeah. those teams. I think with Drexel, I think they have a little more depth this year. Jojo Mitchell up front, I think, really helps them, a big six six kid who – Played really well there on Friday night. The thing with Drexel, I think their skill guys with Coffee and Compton and Dayringer and guys like that, I think their skill guys are just as good as anybody on the state. The one thing I have with Drexel is can their lines withstand the abuse that Stanbury, King City, Worth County, EA, 
that will put on those lines. So I think Jacob Coffey is going to keep them in whatever game they're in. How long he can keep them yeah. in that game will depend on the line play. And that's what I'm still looking for. Drexel, um, UC Pasadena State semifinal with them in King City would really kind of show whether they're at that point to maybe make a state championship game or not. That will give a big gauge. I know it's a few weeks on the road, but I think kind of the same question we have every year with the teams down south. But for the most part, their skill guys can be very, very good. You can see that transition, whether it's when they play those northern teams or the all-star game, you can see those skill guys really shine. It's can their line play withstand for four quarters up front and be able to let those skill guys kind of shine a little bit as well. That's one thing I had with Drexel. It's a wait-and-see game. I think this is the closest they've been with that line play, but we'll have to see. And if they get Caleb Mayfield back, one of their better linemen, if he can play later in the playoffs, that will help a lot because he's another big body who can maybe move some people. So, Oh, Appleton City. Big win last week. <laughs> Go Bulldogs. And, and Anthony, I don't mind, you know, this is a conversation, man. It's, I know it's, I know it's, I said, it's the Clip Notes <laughs> podcast, but you know, anytime we all get together, it's a conversation. It's not an interview. It's a conversation. It was, it was a little strange. I just now thought of him, didn't ask him about it this weekend because, you know, Drexel's schedule has been so bad that, you know, last week was the first time that it was worth going down there and come to find out, you know, that wasn't real close either. So, um, <laughs> That will be interesting, though, and, like, one thing you said, um, the perk of having that soft schedule is they're not going to get beat up by the time they yep. get to the end of the season, which, you know, Stanbury and their toughness is really going to be tested uh, yep. by the time they get there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of Stanbury, we got two matchups to break down this week. And the first one we're going to talk about, uh, I know uh, I've heard it called on Twitter. Um, it's a gauntlet pretty much for Stanbury these next these next three weeks. I mean, if you're going to be number one in eight-man football, you're going to have an opportunity, three matchups against top five teams in eight-man football this week. Number five, North Shelby makes the trip to Stanbury this week. Um, I think really with North Shelby, one of the things that really caught my attention a little bit, and it, wasn't, it didn't even involve eight-man football. They played an 11-man football game in week one and beat Maysville. I think that's mm -hmm. pretty impressive, you know, Filling Maysville schedule. Maysville had an open date week one. North Shelby filled it. Went from eight man to eleven man for one game. Ended up winning that game. That that tells me the talent that North Shelby has. So I'm thinking Stanbury might actually have their hands full in this game. But um, you two are the real experts at eight man football. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this game. Well, I'll go first since I'll be there. Um, you know the thing we've seen from North Shelby in the recent years, and we've. At least I, I, I've been a big fan. I know <clears throat> uh, Coach Bass, when he was there, Devin, you know, really talked mm -hmm. to him a lot about it and followed them. Um, but it was – they would play a soft schedule for seven weeks and then they get thrown in against, you know, North Andrew or Stanbury or whatever. Um, and they would – Pattonsburg. And they would compete. You know, that Pattonsburg game was insane. Um, they would compete, but they just wouldn't – quite be able to get over that hump mm -hmm. um i think this year what will help them is their schedule while it hasn't been a juggernaut has been a little more difficult so they're a little more tested you know like you said that week one 11 man game that's really impressive not only to win but to shut out an 11 man team um northwest hughesville they've had a tough schedule or at least did at the beginning of the season um they're a little better i think than their record says um Agreed. and then you have yeah, then you have like a Norburn Harden Central that they beat 64 to nothing. Um, that has been a lot better uh, over recent weeks. Still not a great team. 
Um, but they just taken care of business. Knox County, we were impressed with them when we saw them uh, beat them badly uh, and scored 90 points last week. Um, so I think this may be the year that we see them get a little bit further. We'll see if they're state champion level good, um, definitely over the, you know, the final few weeks. Um, but to me, I think maybe with these kids being a little bit over, still a really talented team, um, I think it's going to be a great game on Friday. Uh, probably more of a low-scoring game um, just because they both really play good defense, um, and especially Stanberry. Um, you know, I know North Andrews down from last year, um, but to hold them to 12 points is impressive because yeah. they were averaging like 60 points a game since they got <laughs> healthy. Now, lesser opponents, but still, you know, Hayden Ecker had a good game, had 100 yards, but, you know, really it's it's the defense that's really impressive. And Coach Williams told me it's the best defense he's played against um, in four years. So, <laughs> which makes that's things pretty good. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, we were talking about Stanbury kind of getting beat up or there's a chance with their schedule. But if you look through the stats of last week, you know, Tucker Schieber isn't putting up huge numbers uh, against these better opponents. But Coach Hilton's kind of doing a good job of mixing and matching. So these guys aren't getting 20, 25 carries, um, basically because they have 20 running backs on that team that they can give the ball to. Um and Austin Schwebeck has been so much better this year at throwing the football. Um, that was my concern last year with Stanberry's. I just didn't see that from him, that ability to kind of, you know, carry the team if he had to. He'd make some mistakes. Um, you know, I think he only threw like seven passes last week, but he made every completion worth it. And I think that is the biggest difference for me with Stanberry this year um, is their quarterback play. Yeah, and kind of piggybacking off that with Stanberry. I think last year, this was a really good game over at North Shelby. I think it was an overtime. Stanbury won by two. And the big equalizer in that game was the other Lunsford kid. They have Justin right now, but Jackson Lunsford was a massive human being in the middle. He kind of maybe neutralized a little bit the best you can with Austin Colvin. They don't have that this year, so I'm interested to see if they can control that middle like last year with Colvin. Uh, I don't think they'd be able to. I think he takes Lunsford out of the game <laughs> quite a bit there at running back. He's a really good north and south runner, um, but with he's running into six – for 275 it's a little harder to run north and south well that's there. i think even talking to adwell friday when we were talking about stanbury that is that's everyone's concern he's like i don't know what i'm gonna do with austin welch yeah with yeah colvin's a he's a monster COVID, yeah yeah Sorry. i know you're talking i knew you meant that with colvin he's a monster and you saw with the king city game when he went out when the king city was able to get the ball running the ball a little bit um there in their game but when colvin's there in the middle he controls the both a gaps are, are, are his so good luck with that so but Stoneburner, he's a very good uh, athlete there at quarterback. He's a good, an adequate thrower. He's a really skilled runner as well. He's really just smart um, kind of point guard for their offense. They're a little bit of the option as well. He's a really smart decision maker. So th- he makes it tough for Stanbury, I think. But Stanbury, they're just so deep as well. And I know we talk about Colvin and Swayback and Chibra a lot. But even the other Swayback kid, Cameron in the backfield, they have a, as Anthony said, a stable of running backs. We're at week seven, and Tucker Schiebers are leading rusher. He has 42 attempts on the year. I mean, that's not a whole lot of wear and tear on his body. He's already got 550 yards and nine touchdowns. Really haven't used that much. They really haven't needed to kind of lean on one guy like some teams had to this year. So maybe now later in the year they start using Sheber and Cameron a little bit more and kind of narrow it down to this couple of guys and they go through their tough stretch here with North Shelby, EA, and Worth County. Um, but I think Stanbury does win this game. I think they're 
just as good defensively, if not better than North Shelby. And offensively, they're just so more multiple this year. As Anthony said, Austin's way back doing a really good job in the play-action pass game, um, finding his brother Tyler, uh, Marnick when he's healthy as well. So I just think Sanbury's a machine right now. I have number one on my poll for kind of reasonable work County just because I think they're a machine kind of going in there. It's going to be really fun last three weeks. If Stanbury can go through this schedule, I said this on our Facebook Live, but if Stanbury can go through this schedule undefeated and go and win a state championship, there'll be no doubt they're the state champions because they've beaten all the top contenders um, in the in the game and multiple, maybe multiple times. So they're, they've been very impressive so far. They have a chance to prove over the next few weeks. Somebody gave Worth County a number one vote. I don't know who that was, though. Yeah, I didn't I didn't wrap that guy out, though, but I think everybody knows <laughs> who the number one vote there. And North Shelby, for them, as Anthony said earlier, it's a chance for them to maybe prove that he beat Pattonsburg when they were at their kind of their peak a couple of years ago in a high-scoring game that looked like an NBA basketball score. Um, but it's pretty impressive there from Pat North Shelby from where they started a few years ago to where they are now, where they're kind of perennial in the top five every year. Um, this is their year. I mean, they had a lot of seniors in this football team. You know, if they want to make some noise, this is the season two. Um, and unfortunately, they're on the same side of the bracket as uh, District 4. So they need a big win here to kind of prove to themselves even more than anybody else that they can contend with the Stanbury's and Worth Counties if it comes to that point of state semifinal uh, going forward. Yeah. Well, that's going to be the fun thing is over the next few weeks, um, there could be multiple teams getting one votes. Um, you know, if, if Stanbury wins easy this week, I think they're unanimous. Everyone's going to give them their one. Um, but then the following week, you know, East Atchison's they've been waiting on that game. And so uh, they're a team that's needed a big victory. And so they'll have their chance too. So, um, and like we talk about every week, the, the fun of the season's really beginning this last month. All righty. The next game that we're going to be talking about here is a um, game down south. Devin's going to be um, at this game for um, the eight man football. You can stream it on the um, Missouri eight man football Facebook page. It is going to be number 10 Lockwood at number seven, St. Paul Lutheran. Um, I know the Clip Notes podcast, our listeners may not be as um, vast in the teams now in South as we are in the North, but um, I know uh, Devin and Anthony, you guys um, study all over the place. So um, gentlemen, just um, break down this game between Lock- Lockwood and St. Paul Lutheran for our viewers in the North or for our viewers in the North. Uh, so I'll start with this one. First of all, I want to say that me and Anthony finally got Lockwood and St. Paul ranked. We've been trying for a while now. I've been trying really hard with Lockwood and I know St. Paul Lutheran. I've had them ranked pretty early in the year and kind of kept them in my top 10. So it's good to see them finally get some recognition that those kids kind of deserve for playing so well this year. Both teams at 5-1 uh, with losses in week one. Lutheran lost to Oric by six. They were up most of that game and ended up losing late. And then uh, Lockwood lost to Pierce City, who's an 11-man team. We came down and played an eight-man game against them which I don't think that game's counting against Lockwood and Misha because I think it was technically labeled an exhibition game. So Lockwood technically 5-0, and but they're 5-1 and kind of deal. So I'm really excited to see these two teams. I haven't seen either one since the team camp um, early in the year. And it was – saw Lockwood at Appleton City, and I saw Lutheran at Archie back-to-back days in the summer. So I haven't seen these teams since then. And for Lockwood in particular, to how much they've progressed scheme-wise, just kind of the kids figure out eight-man since – late July kind of deal till now. I'm kind of intrigued by that because they had some athletes when I saw them on the field there. And I thought if they could put this together, they could be a really good team this year. I'm not sure state title contender, but a really good top 10 team. They finally breached that top 10 here in week seven. So I'm really in- intrigued to get a couple names to keep an eye on for Lockwood. Eli Kerr is their quarterback, has I think 22, 23 touchdowns. He's a really good football player. I know Anthony's going to uh, talk about him a little bit because he actually saw Lockwood live in week two. Um, and St. Paul Lutheran, two guys up front you can keep an eye on. Christian Anderson and Ethan Kirby, two guys who are 
top five in the state in tackles for loss and sacks. Two really good D linemen for him. Uh, Jaden Maggard at running back with Logan Mueller, and then Christian Bobson at quarterback. They just have a lot of weapons that they kind of use. They don't really rely on one guy at offense. They really spread the ball out really well. And they're not as good as North Angel was last year, but they play the same style. They're just going to hit you in the mouth for four quarters and win or lose, they're going to be in the game. It's going to be a 20-point game, their way or your way at the end of the game kind of deal. They play the same style North Angel played last year, so it's definitely a transferable style as the year goes on. So let Anthony, he's talked about, he went to Lockwood Week 2 when I couldn't, so. Yeah, 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 that was that was fun. Um, yeah, I'll start with my uh, my one of my favorite players I've seen this year with Eli Kerr. Uh, he was just fantastic. Remind me a little bit of uh, Johnny Manziel, a uh, kid that had, you know, found out that week he was playing quarterback. Um, and, you know, them and Jasper really went at it. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, like you said, I don't know if Lockwood's state contender good. Um, I just don't think they have really the size and depth um, to get there. Um, but as far as teams in the South, um, they're really good. They're tough. Uh, they play hard, um, which is what really impressed me the most, uh, other than their field and how beautiful that thing was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he loves I, their field. I do. I do. Uh, um, but, yeah, they, they were fun to watch. They're tough. Um, you know, even when they got down in that game, which – kind of felt like you know the other team was going to run away with it five different times uh it was really one of the best games i've ever seen to be honest Nate, man um but i think this one would be a good one too uh because you know st paul reminds me a bit of jasper um just with their physicality um so that's where they're really going to be um tested um but you know with the saints um it's really a mixture of the you know some of their uh, upperclassmen and some of these younger guys, you know, Bob's in just throwing the ball really well this year, um, 684 yards. Um, and he, he's just a sophomore. Um, and then, Let's you do know, recruit commit. Yeah. So he, he's talented. Um, and you know, he can only get better. Um, and you know, Jaden Maggart, he's a, he's a great social media guy. Uh, give him a shout out. Um, always shares his stuff in which I appreciate, uh, not elite offensively, but I think he's a really, really good defensive player. Again, another guy that's only a sophomore. Um, so I think this one's going to be a lot of fun for Devin, um, just with two teams I think are fairly even. Um, that being said, every time I think there's going to be a good game, someone wins by 40. So <laughs> as we I've saw last pretty, week. I will say I've had good weeks for football. Like every week's been a close game for me. Um, that I scheduled on Friday night at least. Um, it's except for last week when Archie Drexel Drexel kind of took it to him, but it looked like a good game going in. So it's kind of one of those deals where I've actually picked some good games this year uh, with one Saturday game that wasn't close, but everything, everything else has been uh, pretty good here on Friday night. So I'm hoping for another good Friday night game this week. And the last two weeks, we should have some um, heavyweights going at it as well. So it's uh, been a really good year for eight man football. Um, some good matches at the top each and every week. We've actually had some good games every week. So it's a lot of fun to see you there and seeing the sport kind of grow um, and having some close games each and every week that I can broadcast. It's been a lot of fun seeing different parts of the state as well. Uh, going on to Hughesville, going to Lutheran this week. I think it's been good to get those teams some more exposure they don't usually get from around the state. I kind of wanted to go Stanbury, North Shelby this week, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see Stanbury the next two weeks probably. Haven't seen Lutheran or Lockwood yet this year. And I told the Lockwood um, kids, they were kind of wanting to know if I was going to go to Lockwood at all this year. I'm like, 
probably not all the way down to Lockwood, but if you guys win this week, I'll see you guys play at St. Paul Lutheran, and they took care of Liberals, so I had to keep my word on that one, so should be a really fun week this week, and one game I know we're not going to get to and debate too much, uh, but it's really fun. It's a rivalry game over in Holt County, South Holt, Mountain City. Those teams do not like each other, like, at all. They were already kind of jawing out a junior high game earlier this week, so um, it should be a lot of fun in the high school game, and the emotions get really high on that one, so there's no love lost in the community, between the uh, people on the field and stuff like that. So that should be just a fun kind of to keep an eye on game with South Holt Mountain State. Two teams kind of vying for the second best spot in the 275. Well, in that district too, as well as where yep. they get seated. So um, it's important. Not that either, not that either one of them is going to win that district. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, you know, talking to Coach Peterson this, earlier this week, he thinks his team's uh, really improved over the last few weeks. Um, lesser opponents, so you don't know for sure. Um, Mountain City is not, you know, the Mountain City of old, um, but they've they've been better, I think, than maybe I thought they would be this season. Mm-hmm. You know, last week against EA, <clears throat> only twenty to nothing. Uh, you lose your quarterback. Um, now that being said, being down twenty to East Atchison is like being down six <laughs> touchdowns. To everyone else too. Um, <laughs> so I, it wasn't like I felt like at any point Mountain City was going to come back in that one. Um, but still, you know, uh, Coach Stanford has done a good job with a team that's really depleted talent, uh, at least compared to where it was the last few years. Awesome. Yep, it's good. definitely another fun week in eight-man football. Like I said earlier, you know, the next two weeks are going to be fun. The last two weeks of the regular season districts are going to be fun. Um, the road to Columbia is definitely going to be fun one there. And uh, I know Devin talked a little bit about eight-man football. You know, I remember back when I first started covering up high school football, eight-man football was like northwest missouri like regionalized but now to see the evolution of like where it's going you know all these teams in the south you know and then you know you and you and devin and anthony your guys's dedication to eight-man football has just been absolutely incredible so um this is definitely uh, this is definitely it's been a blast definitely talking eight-man football i know eight-man football are actually some of the most um most highest rated segments here on the cliff notes podcast here and um Gentlemen, um, thank you so much for uh, coming on. You can check out Devin's on podcast, Straight Up Sports, uh, the Anthony Crane podcast with uh, Coach Scott Ka- former Pattonsburg co- Coach Scott Cavan. Uh, shout out to Coach. How are you? And uh, eight-man football Twitter, all kinds of spreadsheets, schedules, stats, all that good stuff. Get your eight-man football fix with these guys. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, good luck to you guys in your guys' games this week. Uh, unfortunately for unfortunately for Coach Cavan, Arkansas did not play well last week versus Georgia, so he might be a little more down this week in Anthony's podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, woo pigs did not woo very high there versus Georgia. So, uh, but still, Anthony's podcast is still a lot of fun. I usually listen to it Friday night before going to the game where I'm at. So it's always kind of a fun to get a chuckle before the game's going to start. They keep it light and entertaining there. I think you have Coach Barons on this week. Is that correct? Yeah. So you yeah, got Coach yeah. Barons being attached on this week with them having a buy. I think oh, I think we're all game. pretty. Dis- listen, Barons is great. Um, <laughs> He's but, not Josh Peterson, though. Yeah, him having to, you know, and understandable, his wife's pregnant and she wasn't feeling well. So, uh, also, congrats to him again. Um, yep. Uh, but, yeah, it's it, – not getting him Mountain City Week is really disappointing. So <laughs> – Maybe post-Mountain City Week? Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see. But, yeah, I think we should probably head out here. But thanks for having us on, Cliff. Maybe stay tuned to the Anthony Craig Podcast, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Cliff. Thank you so much, Devin and Anthony, for coming back on the podcast. Other schemes in the state of Kansas, they're going to include Valley Heights visiting Troy, 
Sumner is at Atchison. ACCHS is at Riverside. Hiawatha at Horton. Nemaha, Nemaha Central at Mar Hill. Sorry, Hiawatha's at Holton, not Horton. Apologize for that. Nemaha Central at Mar Hill. Royal Valley at Sabetha. Horton at Centralia. And then in the eight-man game, Donovan West is at Clifton Clyde. Thank you guys so much for enjoying the Week 7 pregame show. We will see you all for Week 8. Enjoy your games, everybody. And until then, take care, everybody.